If you would, go with me to Luke chapter 1. The Gospel according to Luke chapter 1. And we're going to look at a passage here, a beautiful passage. And really just ten verses. Right at the beginning of Luke. Songs are important. They shape us. Whatever the emotion, there's a song for that. I know we kind of have a saying like there's an app for that, but there's a song for that. If, if you're feeling down, there's a song for that. Uh, if you're feeling up, there's a song for that. And so much so that the scriptures dedicate two entire books to songs. One is the Psalter or the book of Psalms. The other is the Song of Songs. The Song of Solomon, which is about marital union. In particular, understanding marital union to be that image that we have here of what is the reality that Christ is our husband and we his bride. What a beautiful, beautiful. So, two entire books dedicated to songs. Every psalm is a song. And so songs are important. And in the Gospel of Luke, right at the beginning, in two chapters, there are three canticles, which are biblical songs. One is said by Mary. It's called the Magnificat, which is Latin uh, from the Vulgate. The other is uh, Benedictus, and that's from Elizabeth, also in chapter 1. Again, from the first few letters there, or, or first few words in, in Latin again. And then the other is the Nunc uh, Demetus, which is actually Simeon's song. So you have Mary's song because of the conception in her by the power of the Holy Spirit. She sings a song. Elizabeth sings a song concerning her pregnancy, John. So two have to deal with pregnancy. And then the other is when Simeon, and I just, I wanted to preach on this, but I just am not. But Simeon, this old man who God had basically said, you're not going to die until you see my Christ. He holds this little baby up, eight days old, in the middle of the temple. And he says, the light has now come to the Gentiles and to Israel. Now I can depart, O Lord. What a beautiful, powerful image. And so, you have to remember that Luke is a Gentile. Right? So, these songs are actually, the three three canticles are actually called evangelical songs. That's not the political group of evangelicals. But instead it means these three songs actually have to do with the salvation of the entire world. Hence, evangelical. And they deeply impact Luke because he is the only Gentile writer in the New Testament. I love that too because he ends up you know, writing Luke and Acts. About a third of the New Testament is written by a Gentile who was not one of the disciples of Jesus but rather disciple of Paul, traveling with Paul. About halfway through the book of Acts, you know this, because 
all of a sudden he says, we were traveling rather than Paul was traveling. So he's joined him. And I want this Magnificat, this song, to impact us today as well. I want us to see that it is important and maybe some reasons why it is for us. Join with me now as we look here, Luke 1, and then starting with verse 46. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. Let us pray. Jesus, thank you for your holy word. And Lord, as we on this Sunday, this third Sunday of Advent, celebrate joy, may we come home to the joy that you have for us. And may we too, even by the end of this short worship service, be singing a new song in our heart. You can do that today. May you do it in me. May you do it in us. We pray in your most holy name. Amen. Well, another day and another sexual harassment case, right? It just seems to be every day. I guess we're going to have 365 and a fourth this year. So just be prepared. And yet, as the news rolls out on sexual harassment, think about the predicament of Mary. Hers was worse in many respects than some of the high and mighty that were watching fall. She didn't have a retirement plan. There is no government assistance from Rome, especially for Jews. For a woman in particular, it had been very dangerous to be pregnant with no husband. Pregnant with no fatherly protection. And without detailing all of that, we understand the impact of what's happening. This was not Mary's plan. Yes, she's singing a song here, but this was not Mary's plan. How do you know that? Well, she wouldn't have chosen this road that way. And plus, who would have ever thought of a virginal conception? This is really unprecedented. And so we have it here that Mary receives news and thankfully Joseph is willing to listen to God 
when an angel comes to him and explains the dilemma, and he says, okay, I'm into what you're doing, God. Both of them take risk. Both of them listen to God. But for neither one of them, where they were in their current place was not where they wanted to be. Is that any of you? I ask myself, am I where I really want to be in my plan of things? And just to be frank with you, I'm not. (laughs) I'm not. I, I Somehow, I'm somewhere else. I thought other things when I was 30, you know, 26, that I would be when I'm 36. But just because things are not how we want them doesn't mean that we are not in God's will. When things go awry in our life, it doesn't mean that we've sinned against God and are in disobedience to Him. When there are not material blessings filling our pockets, that doesn't mean that we are not in the will of God. And the reverse is true. When we are being blessed and our pockets are being filled... That doesn't mean that we're in the will of God. This is the great lesson of Job, isn't it? Job, this happened because you sinned, big guy. There's no way around it. We've done the math. You sinned. And God pretty much hates you. Even his wife tells him this, remember? Just curse God and get it over with, please. You're dragging us all through the mud, man. And he says, though he slay me, I'll praise him. <laughs> though he slay me, I'll praise him. Mary's in quite a predicament. And here she is singing a song of praise. God, would you help me in times of turmoil to praise you anyway? My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. How personal is this for Mary? My soul, my spirit. This is, this is classic, by the way, classic Hebrew parallelism, which is the way you do a song in, in Hebrew. My soul, my spirit, magnifies, rejoices the Lord in God my Savior. You see the parallelism? It's beautiful. Jesus uses this several times. Ask, seek, knock. That's parallelism. That's the, way they do their, that's the way they do their songs. I know we do our songs differently. We normally have two verses, a bridge, and then, you know, do the chorus thing, and then come back around, you know. I mean, we have, a, we have our way of doing things. Rap has its own stuff. Country music, you know, it's got its own stuff. This was the genre that they used to praise the Lord. What will we use? How will we praise the Lord? I, you know, I just, I used to say some of the dumbest things. Some of you are like, well, I think, I think you kind of still do. <laughs> um, you're like, yeah, that was actually one of them right there. Um, but truly, I, I used to say things like, man, I wish we didn't have to sing at church. I wish we could just get to the preaching. I wish we could just get to the, um, the praying and the preaching, but... 
you know, God has really checked me on this. Even when he's with his disciples in the upper room, the last supper he has with it, they sing. God apparently likes singing. Two of my favorite authors, they like singing. Lewis, Tolkien. Some of the, actually the most beautiful songs, I, I thought, at least in the movie series, was in The Hobbit. When they're singing, especially when Aragorn sings. It's beautiful. It's powerful. And interestingly, Tolkien and Lewis, in both of their fictional worlds, creation comes about through, you guessed it, singing. God sings the world into existence. We're not just a brain. And for me, for quite some time, you know, when you're studying theological things and your head's in a book all the time and you're thinking all this... You just end up thinking kind of, it's all about thinking correctly and understanding things. And it is not. There's a joy. There's a joy that must attend our thoughts. There's a joy that the scripture says is unspeakable. In other words, if I were to try to communicate it to you, words would fail. It's that neat word we use, ineffable. There are no words for it. Lord, do you mind if I just pray while I'm preaching? Because that's what I've been doing here recently. Lord, would you give me a joy unspeakable? Why is she magnifying? Why is she rejoicing? She tells you plainly, for he has looked on my humble estate. Mary was not, according to the Hebrews, I'm sorry, according to the Romans, a purebred. She's, she's a Hebrew. She's a Jew. And that wasn't necessarily a good thing if you were a Roman. Most Jews were not citizens of Rome. That's why Paul's citizenship as a Roman is kind of a particularly interesting thing. It would have been bought. You're not born into Roman lineage for a Jew, if you're a Jew, you're a Jew, ethnically. And Mary was certainly a Jew. She really was a nobody. And God made her a somebody. Why? Not because she was a guru at business. But instead because she submitted to God's will. When the angel comes to her and says, Mary, here's what God wants to do. She says, may it be done unto me, your servant. Servant, we soften everything. Have you noticed that? We call donkey by other names now, you know, because it's appropriate, I understand. We soften language all the time so it's a little more appropriate, you know. G and PG. But servant means slave. And the Romans and the Hebrews, they knew what a slave was. And when she says, do it unto me, your slave. She means slave. Lord, would you help me be your slave? Because there is no greater master to serve than you.
that the scriptures will teach us, we'll either serve God, we'll either be a slave to God, or mammon. Remember we talked about that word? That's a crazy word. It's still rocking my world. Mammon. Look it up. Pray over it. I don't want to serve mammon. Something that's passing away. That's why it's so good to give sacrificially. It's just like, this is not mine anyway. It's just good to be reminded of that from time to time. Challenged on that. Generations will call me blessed now. Why? Because this is Mary. This is Theotokos, as the church has said. Which means mother of God. Literally, the mother of God. And yet, she was created by God. <laughs> See, that's, that's, this is where I love this kind of stuff. You know, just all these... Sometimes I'll just go back and read Thomas Oden, who passed away this year. Great theologian, systematic theologian. And he just has all these little things, you know, the uncreated, ungenerate, you know, who is now generated and who is created. His, just think about this, his creation, Mary, this woman, now cradles God, the creator of the universe, who spoke the world into existence, cradles him in her womb when she says this song. When she sings this song, Jesus is in the womb. Elizabeth is about six months pregnant. That's just a powerful... And then later on, when Elizabeth, who's pregnant, and Mary, who's pregnant, they have this meeting, and John the Baptist, in the womb, knows that Jesus is in the room. In the womb! I, that, that's just too much for me. And that's why we have to be adamant about conception. It's not a biological argument. It's an incarnational argument. We just spoke the words. I hope you meant them. Conceived by the Holy Spirit. His human life begins at conception. It's not a physiological argument. It's a biblical argument and one that must be waged for in her womb lived the God of all the universe Ah, man that's why she's singing that's why isn't that worth singing about mmm now just think about mmm you say that's pretty cool yeah it here's what's cooler is that Jesus has now sent the Holy Spirit to be cradled in us, to find His abode in us. Drop the mic. That's an invitation, isn't it? That's good news that we can have God living in us, making His home in us, asking Him those hostile places that we still don't want to give up, that we battle against Him. We can give that over to Him. He can sanctify us and make us a holy dwelling. That's good news, especially for people who are willing to confess it and repent. 
Because it's the lowly that he can raise up, right? (laughs) Did you catch later on in here, he's after those who are high and mighty. But he's also after the lowly to raise them up. And we will rise with him if we are willing to die with him. And what a promise that is. For He has done mighty things for me. What has God done for you that's mighty? Mm, just think on that for a and, and, and if you can't think of something, let's just pray right now. No, no condemnation here. It's just we need Him to. We all need Him to. The things that God has done in my heart, I'm telling you, Jessica can tell you, my brother can tell you, that was a work of God. It wasn't something I mustered up. You know, I have, I have this working theory that you change, like, complete, it's a whole new you every 10 years. Just think about, like, I'm 36 now. When I was 20, I was a complete, like, seriously. It was just nuts. I, I, really, just completely different dude. 16, completely different dude. Six, completely different guy. And I just want Jesus and all of the changes over ten years. Because it happens right now. It starts right now in how I treat you. And in how I teach my children. It's all the little things that add up to ten years worth of transformation. May we be moving toward God. And not building our own empire and our own kingdom. Holy is his name because he's done great things for me. (laughs) I just, I love that because I do have a lot to be thankful for in my life. Notice this, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. This is really, she, by the way, we don't have time to do all this, but she's quoting from the Old Testament all over the place. Now, notice real quick, she doesn't have, more than likely, a copy of the entire Old Testament. Most people didn't. Most people didn't. One copy of the book of Isaiah would have been about $60,000. I can almost promise you she didn't have that. But she had listened to the stories. She had heard the word of God. She had memorized those things. You know, it's kind of good for us every once in a while, honestly, not to have the screen because it actually forces our memory. And the problem is we just, we've lost memory altogether, I think, in our, in our culture of Wikipedia and Google. You can Google it. Well, I remember it, right? So we don't make any room for that kind of stuff. But there is room to be made for the stories of God, for the good news to be remembered and passed down from generation to generation Case in point is my father. He found himself in his 20s with two young boys at home drinking constantly on his work trips. A full-blown alcoholic. And he found himself one night in Vicksburg, Mississippi. Maybe many of you have been to that bridge that crosses over and once you cross over, you're in the next state. And he was there, and he didn't want to live anymore. This is my dad in his 20s at the bottom of a bottle. 
And he was looking at the bridge and thinking, I could just simply jump off and that would be the end. What a trajectory that would have been for my brother and I. Instead, thanks be to God's grace and His Holy Spirit, he remembered what his grandmother used to teach him and what he had heard so many times because he was forced, yes, forced, to go to church. And he fell back into Jesus' arms and cried out to him and he saved and went home and poured out all of his alcohol and was delivered that very night from alcoholism. And then a year later, he was called to preach. And he's been in ministry in Decatur for 30 years, 30-something years. Some of you have been impacted by his ministry. I the most. Doc the most. What if Grandma didn't know Jesus? What if Father, Pappy, my Pappy, didn't make daddy go to church. It wouldn't have been passed down to generation to generation. I can tell you that. God's mercy would have stopped. Because it wouldn't have been available. But instead, I stand before you today, passing that on to my five children. And to you. His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. And in the Old Testament, there's a beautiful promise that for those who are wicked, God limits their impact to two or three generations. But for the righteous, thousands. Who's willing today to stand up and say, I want to be a holy man of God. I want to be a holy woman of God. Not for myself. Not to be a statue so others can see me. But instead, for the sake of the world. That's that's what these evangelical canticles are about. It's the world he's got his eye on. Yeah, he's using particular people. But his eye is always looking beyond me. To the world that we can impact. And, And here's a great, he's calling all of us in this room. And he wants to instill within us before we journey out his joy. He wants us to come home to his joy. Which is only gained by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's going to bring down the proud and mighty. The rich, they'll go away empty, he says. Those who you think are winning, they're not winning. And oftentimes, those we think are losing, they're winning. God is the great upender. He likes reversals. He really does. Death leads to life. Giving leads to receiving. This is His kingdom. And it's the way it operates. That's good news for people who are in the dumps. Anybody in darkness today, there's good news, and that is the light. The light has come. 
Justin read it earlier. John says, no, 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 I'm not the light. But I'm pointing to the light. And as I decrease, he's going to increase. And if we will decrease, if Marshall will decrease, God in my life will increase. That's a promise. That's a fact, Jack. Take it to the bank and deposit that one. The hungry will be fed. Are you hungry for the Lord? Again, that that verse I shared with you about a month ago, as the deer pants for the water, and I had to ask myself, Lord, do I pant for you during the day? Or is it the world I'm really seeking and I add you to my life? I don't want to do that. I I really don't want to do that. I don't want to be like that. That ultimately leads to hypocrisy. When you're freed from death, you can sing about it. When you're unshackled and walk out into freedom, you can sing about it. When he's done marvelous things, you can sing about it. Let us feed on him, for he is true bread. He is true drink. And only he will satisfy our spirit, our soul. And when he does, we can magnify him and rejoice in him. Let the desert grow a bounty of fruit. Let the wilderness spring to life in me, in you, for his mercy endures forever. So here we are waiting in your joy for your coming. Amen.